today on Growth Mindset University. I've had glasses smashed across my face. I've been hit in the head with a 4B2 with a nail sticking out of it. You know, I've been stabbed. I've been shot at. I've had a gun put in my mouth. And I don't say this to kind of, I guess, glamorize. You're listening to Growth Mindset University, educating tomorrow's leaders with lessons from today's entrepreneurial elite. It's a progressive new age of business we find ourselves in, and we'll help you find the success you seek by listening to today's industry professionals and thought leaders teach us the lessons we should have learned in school but didn't. Now, please welcome your host, Jordan Paris. My guest today is Kerwin Ray. Kerwin is Australia's leading business strategist and human performance specialist, helping over 100,000 businesses in 154 different industries throughout 11 countries worldwide. With his no BS approach to business growth and personal transformation, and uh, as I mentioned last time, and I say last time because Kerwin and I actually already sat down to record an episode, this would be his second appearance on the podcast, but the first one was just marred by connection issues and audio quality issues, but we're here doing it again. Uh, As I said last time though, I was turned on to Kerwin by Josh Perry. Josh, uh, the the former pro BMX athlete, said in our episode that uh, there's this guy, and it doesn't do him any justice at all, but there's this guy I heard it from. He's like the Gary Vaynerchuk of Australia, this guy Kerwin Ray. And I was like, oh, yeah, I got I to check, check this guy out. Something told me I got to check this guy out, and I did. And uh, so this podcast has been a little while in the making. It took a while to get him on the schedule. And uh, I've been working on this since 2019, and then we had the issues, and now here we are in like mid 20, 2020, uh, in the next decade here, and yeah. we've uh, and we, we've got it going. Kerwin, Kerwin Ray, welcome to Growth Mindset University. Thanks, Jordan. Great to be here, brother. So KerwinRay.com, people can find you there. I've listened to several episodes of one of your podcasts, Unstoppable, the ones with Jim Quick, ones with Jada Simone, which I mentioned to you last time, also. Mm. Uh, and then the Larry King one, which I, I I believe I'd probably mention it too, was really just one of the best interviews that like like I've ever heard. And it's 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 great that you did that with like the greatest interviewer of all time. I'm know, sure you right? really yeah. impressed him with your interview skills. Well, <laughs> I'm not sure if I impressed him if he's just being really kind, but uh, uh, great interview. It was a it was inc- it was the so far it's been the the highlight of my podcasting career. Really, <laughs> it's been very yeah. Short so far, <laughs> I, I'll I'll put it in. No, it hasn't been short. I mean, you've done like almost you're almost at 100 episodes, man. I think so. Yeah, like, with, with some really fantastic people. Yeah, we're getting there. Yeah. So KerwinRay.com, right? At KerwinRay on uh, on Instagram and all uh, the social handles. I, I would assume all the social handles. But man, you know, I wanted to. I really wanted to lean on you today for some, you know, advice. Like I think, you know, I'm gonna, you know, for personally, but I also think that a lot of people right now, Kerwin, are struggling and going through a tough time. I mean, that's pretty obvious. Mm. Uh, you know, we're being forced to stay inside a lot. And with that comes like, you know, so much time on the phone and, uh, and all this screen time and which I really don't think adds up to happiness. So I want to ask you and, and don't give me, give me a no BS answer. I know you're all, you're you all no BS, <laughs> right? Right. right. Like, are you happy? Oh, I'm fucking wrapped, mate. I am. I'm oh, probably it. the happiest that I've been in a very long time, um, for a whole range of reasons. Yeah, I'm in a really good place. Okay, so like, do you? 
I mean, do you ever like like what gets you down, Kerwin? Look, it's I don't get necessarily down. Um, I can get intense. Um, I can get um, agitated. Um, but down, look, it doesn't really happen that often. I think the, the last time I can actually say I was down and I wasn't really down, I just had a crash last Tuesday um, off the back of about oh. 10 or 11 weeks. I'm not even sure I've lost count of you know, pretty much intense back-to-back work ethic um, as we pivoted and moved and transitioned from you know being a live events company to a broadcast uh, media company, um, and at the same time deploying, you know, about eighty-eight, about almost ninety of our team remotely at the same time, and changing, yeah, just basically shifting gears. Um, so it was a pretty intense period, and by the end of it, yeah, I was, I was pretty fucking exhausted. I'm still recovering, if I'm completely honest. Uh, I've got a little bit of, I've got two weeks off coming, um, coming at the end of next week, and yeah, that's when I can really just sit back and recharge my batteries. But mate, look, I don't really get down. Um, and I think that has a lot to do with the fact that I'm just really clear on why I'm here and what I've got to do. Uh, and yeah. so as a result, when, you know, if I do have com- things that compete in my mind as a priority that could bring me down, you know, I've, I've got, for the most part, a very high level of discipline that just enables me to focus on the things that I need to to create the state that is required for me to complete what's what I need to do. You know, one thing I've always kind of, I wouldn't say always, one thing I've, I've trained myself to do over the last more so probably 30 years is literally learn how to regulate all the different systems in my body, psycholo- psychology, biology, neurology, neurochemistry, uh, to a degree that no matter what's happening around me, um, I can show up as what's required. Um, and I think oftentimes, you know, too many people put too much weight in, in, in extrinsic factors well, I'll be motivated once I find the right girl, the right business, the right idea, you know, the right environment when the sun is out and it's 28 degrees. And if I just can, whereas for me, you know, my model of motivation is very intrinsic. It's like, I don't fucking care what the weather is. I don't want to, I don't care if there's a storm, cyclone, or if it's 28 degrees or, or minus 20. You know, I want to, I want an internal system that can show up as required regardless of what's happening externally to me. Yeah. Well, I figured you'd be a good person to talk to about this today, about happiness and mental health, uh, because you've been through, Kerwin, like a lot of hardships, uh, especially early in your life. Like, can you tell, tell, just fill people in like real briefly. I know you've explained it in great detail on Natalie Jill's podcast, who's also been a guest on this podcast. I'll link that in the show notes at well at jordanparis.com so people can listen to that but why don't you explain real briefly some of these you know health yeah, challenges and all that yeah, look i think everyone's had a tough or you know everyone's got their own story I mean, and i'm not you've been through some extreme stuff oh dude i have been through a disproportionate amount of trauma <laughs> way, yeah way, way more than the average way, person yeah. more than the average person absolutely you know my um it started with you know i guess you could say my parents separated when i was six months of age um we grew up with this my brother and i grew up with a single mom on a pension yeah my number one driver when i was younger was just i just desperately wanted a dad um my dad wasn't necessarily very present we didn't really bond or imprint or connect very well at the age of eight my mum repartnered and i thought my life was going to be uh amazing we finally had a dad and then uh, unfortunately he was murdered um he was oh yeah hotel room um and I forgot um, about that one wow. yeah and look i've had i had my first near-death experience uh at the age of 15 when i fell on a broken bottle i cut all my nerves tendons main artery nearly bled to death on the side of the road um yeah i've 
I've experienced a disproportionate amount of death. Like by the age of 19, I think I'd lost like probably nine or 10 close friends, you know. Dude, that's weird. I I Overdose, uh, car accidents, drink driving. I actually can't like imagine because I've had, I had like the exact opposite experience with death growing Mm. up. Like the first even relatively close experience that I had with someone dying was my 89-year-old grandfather over a year ago. Like, yeah, right. that's that's it, man. Yeah. I, I haven't had the experiences you had in that area, in that regard. Yeah. And I'm, I'm very lucky. I'm very grateful for those experiences. You know, I was uh, given the gift of addiction uh, at an early age, um, as well as, uh, you know, ADHD, uh, dyslexia. Um, what, what were you addicted to, though? Uh, amphetamines. At the age of 19, I, oh. I became addicted to uh-huh. amphetamines. I was working in this, um, look, I was a private security contractor. I was working in a very violent world and I was doing most of my world basically existed from 6 p.m. till like, you know, 10 a.m. every morning because that was the world that I lived in from a professional standpoint. Uh-huh. You said the age of 19? Yeah. See, that's something I think about too, man. Like, I'm 22 and there are a lot of like, you know, people, people call themselves around here or, you know, they're referred to around here as like, um, uh, what is the, what are they, what is the term like for, for, oh God, why is it, why am I blanking Recovery? all of a sudden? No, like people that just, bottom line, like people that just don't have their shit together, like just partying and doing drugs and drinking like multiple nights a week. Uh, man, I'm like blanking on, on the term. It'll come to you. Uh, <clears throat> but yeah, yeah. But here's what I've learned about addiction. Like it, but, addiction but, is, is a spectrum. Everybody's on the spectrum. It's just their level of awareness as to where they fall on it and what their right. tendencies are. But what I, what I, you know, I think about all the time, like there are like a lot of these stories like yours where like, you know, at at that age, at a young age, like, you know, you were addicted, like you, your life was, you know, really not in a good place, but like you end up crushing it and you're going to continue crushing it and you're going to continue to rise like you're in a massive way so like i wonder man like who who are those kids around me that just do not have it together right now who who are those kids going to be that end up just crushing it 10 20 years from now you just like it's a know. it's a very hopeful thing like stories like yours like like wow you know even though life sucks right now and i don't have my shit together like it's a very hopeful thing. It's very inspiring. Like, oh, I can it's, see what's possible here. Absolutely. And and look, I, and that's why I'm so open to share, you know, my experiences, you know, with drugs, uh, violence. Um, I was exposed to a disproportionate amount of violence. You know, I've, so funny the other night, I actually sat down with my uh, my partner and I, I, I counted all the scars on my face. I forgot. I have like 10, like I've been, I've had glasses smashed across my face. I've been hit in the head with a 4B2 oh, with a nail gosh. sticking out of it. You know, I've Dude, been stabbed, I, I, I've been shot at, I've had a gun put in my mouth. Um, wow. And again, I don't, I don't say this to kind of, um, you know, I guess, glamorize my life, but sure. there's a consistent theme of multiple aspects of what would be considered in psychology as trauma. And so, you know, I, I grew up with a disproportionate amount of trauma, but in a, in a system that was not built to deal with even basic levels of stress. Like I've got a, a biology that is different to many people uh, that we've discovered. My body biologically doesn't deal with stress the same way everyone else's body does. And as a result, um, how does it? 
well, I'll get to that, but I also have a, a, I was diagnosed also with a condition that's called SPD, which is called sensory processing disorder. Uh, and that basically means I'm on the spectrum, okay? I'm on the spectrum, you know, I guess you could call it the autistic spectrum, the Asperger spectrum. There are multiple different spectrums, but one of the spectrums that I'm on is all of my sensory organs are heightened. And so I have a heightened sense of smell, sound, a hearing, you know. Oh, wait, Kerwin, this is what we could, this is what we really hit it off about last time we talked, because I had those sensory, I have those sensory sensory issues too. Yeah. I went to therapy for it. Yeah. yeah. But I didn't <laughs> I know. As a four-year-old. As a, when you're a five or a six-year-old and you walk into yeah. a shopping center, everyone looks calm and you're just like, oh my God, I'm fucking overloaded with stimulation uh-huh. and information and energy. And, and so as a result, not only did my biology not know how to process stress, my wiring was designed to just be stressed at the, at the, at the touch of a, you know, right. at the touch of a pedal of, uh, uh, the touch of anything or the sound of anything. I, I, because again, just imagine every single sense in your body is turned up in high beam. So noises are louder, smells are stronger. Yeah. Um, you know, what you feel, what you hear, what you sense, everything is turned up. And that for a six-year-old who didn't have a, a parental figure that could demonstrate, again, what healthy regulation looked like when you were stressed. Um, you know, I grew up in a, in a very discombobulated, unregulated way with a system that was not only biologically unable to deal with stress, uh, but also I have a, a, a psychology and a central nervous system that is actually designed to stress, <laughs> if not regulated. And so, you know, I spent the next, uh, gosh, at least thir- the last 30 years of my life, maybe 35 years of my life, unconsciously and increasingly more consciously, just learning how to regulate the different systems in my body. Yeah, yeah. So that I could, as I said earlier, show up, you know, and be coherent, be clear and be able to comprehend information and make, you know, really tough decisions. Uh, in situations where most people couldn't. And, you know, I look at my family and my family, on one side of my family, um, they just don't handle stress well. You know, they put them in a high-pressure situation and they crumble. And it's not necessarily at a psychological level, although that's a factor, it's at a physical level as well. You know, these massive crashes. And so I grew up in an environment where I was just demonstrated constantly that we can't handle stress. Uh, and so for me, yeah, I just didn't want to live that way, you know, because that anxiety... When you when you when you grow up with an incredible incredibly high level of underlying anxiety that is that is triggered as a result of high mm-hmm. heightened stimulus, um, you just think that's normal. But when you look around the world and you see everyone else interacting, you go, "Why does everyone else look so calm when I feel so fucking wired?" <clears throat> and um, yeah, I just went on this pursuit of just wanting to to feel normal, uh, and in the process. You know, uh, extreme sports, skydiving, training with military. I've, I've, I've been able to get my system to the point where, yeah, as I said earlier, I can put myself in a range of different scenarios um, and I can maintain a very strong composure and clarity to be able to make strong decisions and stay clear, but also be motivated. You know, for me, motivation, people say to me, Kevin, how do you stay motivated? And I say, dude, I just fucking wake up, you know. Motivation to me isn't something that should be, you know, oh, how do you, what do you do, what's your book, what do you, it's like, it's not something that's out there. You know, motivation, genuine motivation is something that's intrinsically within us. And if we have extrinsic setup, then we'll be constantly at the beg and the whim of, you know, the environment to show up perfectly so that we can perform at a high level. And that to me is a form of codependence. Mm-hmm. Man, I, I you know, like I said, Last time I just relate to you so much, especially with like the loud noises. I feel you on that. But the biggest compliment, and I get this a lot. Like if I'm out and, you know, someone will say to me like, Jordan, you just like, I love your composure. You just look like a Zen master, they say. And I'm just like, that's all the work that I've yeah. done. Like I used to be a freak and I have my moments where I still am, especially 
uh, you know, especially with, with noises where my brain will go haywire. But like, let's, so you're talking about all these systems or to that, that you, that you and practices that you have to yeah. like kind of regulate, yes. you know, this system of yours, like, mm-hmm. uh, what does it look like on a micro level? And you're talking about waking up and feeling motivated. Like what, what do you do to when, when you, when you wake up, like how, how do you start your day? Look, I wake up like everybody else. Um, I normally will drink anywhere between half a liter to a liter of water. Um, and at that point, I normally will, you know, get up, wash my face, sit back down and, and meditate for at least anywhere between. Look, it'd be rare for me to meditate less than an hour every morning. Oh, my. Uh, depending on what time I wake up, because I normally wake up between 4 and 4.30 most mornings. I'll, regu- I'll meditate in some cases for up to, and if my son's not here because my son comes in quite early, I'll meditate for up to two hours every morning. Uh, if my son's here, it'll normally be about an hour. Wow. But isn't it, do you not feel this, this gravitational pull of like your phone or your computer? Yes. Like, so, so how do you, because this I pick is up what, my phone, like I'll, I'll check because I'm oh, also, you do. So I'll wake you up, do. I'll drink my water, I'll pick up my phone, I'll look at, because I have also an, an intelligence um, agency uh, and a division with our company that provides me reports every three hours on a whole range of um, global issues, you know, geo-economic, geo-finance, geo-corona, uh, geo-economic, geo-military, uh, <clears throat> geo-political. And so normally I'll wake up and I'll, I'll look if there's anything that's important in any of the briefs that I need to look at. Um, but normally I'll just see if there's anything urgent. If it's not, it goes straight down. And then, yeah, I go I go straight into my sit. Uh, and, um, you know, I think for me, I've been meditating now for about 30, 35. I think I started meditating about 35 years ago. So I was introduced to it at the age of 15, but I didn't actually develop it as a practice, as an actual practice until probably around my mid-20s. Uh, and then it really became a way of life, um, probably my early 30s. Um, because the practice to me, it's one thing to be out of practice, but it's like going to the gym and going, oh, I've got to go to the gym. Oh, I've got to go to the gym. You know, and that to me is a practice. Yeah. Whereas once you kind of shift from it being to practice to a way of life, all of a sudden it isn't like, oh, I've got to go to the gym. You just get up and go to the gym. Mm-hmm. There's no other thought. It was definitely a practice for me a number of years ago where I did feel like it was a chore and it, you know, faded away from my life. And I don't, I mean, I don't, I don't do that anymore and maybe I'm just like cocky, but I don't like, what does it do for, you know, and, and again, what I've done it before, do? like, do, do yeah. I need it? Yeah. You know, Everybody do people, do people need it? Yeah, absolutely. I would go as far as to say every person on the planet needs meditation. And when you investigate and you understand not just the, you know, the esoteric and the existential aspects of meditation, you know, but also the scientific you know, data that we have, especially around transcendental Vedic meditation, you know, tra- transcendental is probably one of the most researched forms of meditation that there is on the planet. And the data, if you consume it, is mind-boggling in terms of what it does for the brain to create levels of harmony, homeostasis, um, coherence, uh, internal regulation, um, you know, the ability for it to be able to, in, in some cases, minimize, improve memory, in, improve uh, recall, stamina, um, Cognitive ability, neural function is increased dramatically. I remember the first time I did a, a 10-day meditation where I went and did, you know, took a vow of silence. You go away for 10 days. You meditate from 4.30 in the morning till 9.30 at night. And after 10 days of solid meditation, I was literally treating my brain like uh, like Google. I was literally going, I was going back and I was remembering fucking everything in sequences. I was even reading books in my head. 
because I just calmed the neurology to such a point that I had access to all the files. And see, what, what meditation does is it calms the central nervous system, it calms the neurology to a point where you don't have as much frenetic energy bouncing around. And what you've got to understand, your thought processes, your, your brain is governed by, based on electrical impulses. And, you know, those electrical impulses can sometimes be hijacked by other electrical interference. And so if you're not sending clear signals down your synapses, okay, they're not going to be received, okay, and they're not going to send properly. You know, it's like there's going to be a disruption in those lines. And when you meditate, it calms that uh, that frenetic aspect of energy. It calms many aspects of what you'd call the monkey mind electrical energy in the brain that is bouncing around and constantly hijacking right. pathways. And when you can calm that, you can think clearer, you can recall clearer, you have greater levels of composure, you have far greater uh, resilience to to stress, um, your immune function raises, your hormones stabilize. Um, you know, you there are it. It has been shown in some cases to be supportive in the treatment of a range of different illnesses, in some cases terminal diseases, from a psychological perspective, but also from a biological uh, and a biochemical perspective to support healing. Um, so for me, there are so many fucking benefits that i'm hyper conscious of that support that but it's less about the hyper consciousness of me being aware of the of the data although that played a massive role in it becoming a way of life because i'm very data centric um but it was the practice it wasn't until i practiced it i went wow if i don't meditate my memory's not as good if i don't meditate i'm not as mm. calm. i'm not as good a leader i'm not as good a dad I'm yeah good yeah partner. and i'm i'm hyper conscious of how i show up and and the inter in, the interaction between the two and i'll give you a perfect point I was exhausted last week after the 11-week stint that I did. And then I finished on the Friday and I meditated on the Saturday and I went, oh, fuck, I can't be bothered. And I didn't meditate Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, right? And now I don't classify this as – because most people go, well, you know, could this be seen as an addiction? It wasn't an addiction, but by Thursday, I was going, man, I can feel – my memory not working as well. That's I funny. feel my son getting under my nerves a little bit more than normal. And again, it was so subtle. But again, I'm very hypersensitive to information and and especially my own space and field. And the moment I start sensing, I'm like, fuck, I need to go back. And so what do I do? I start meditating again. Uh, and meditation gives me a lot of leeway um, to be able to push myself further than what I would be without it. Because I know if I don't meditate, I don't have anywhere near um, the bandwidth when it comes to decision fatigue. You know, everyone experiences decision fatigue. You know, you, you wake up every morning feeling nice and fresh. Uh, and that's why I have so many fucking routines in my life. It's not funny. I'm literally a walking loop of routines. And the reason <laughs> I have so many routines is because I don't want to think about things that are non-essential. Yeah, yeah. Like brushing my teeth. Uh, is non-essential. Washing my 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 body is non-essential. Getting dressed is non-essential. The type of clothes is non-essential. It's non-essential decision making, and so I have these little routines that I can just execute where I don't think. And I I have a routine for washing my body. I have a routine for drying my body. I have a routine for you know doing my face and um you know um and and brushing my teeth. And I have a routine when I get in front of the cupboard that I just pull out a pair of underwear, pull out whatever the, the pants, and then I pull out a shirt. And so as a result, by the time I get into work. I haven't really made any other decisions other than the, the, the mental gymnastics that my son has put me through and now I'm fresh. And so by six, seven o'clock, I'm, I'm still quite fresh. Whereas if I get up every morning and I have to think about, oh, what am I going to do first? And I have to think about this. By the time I get to right. 9 a.m., I've already used maybe 30% of my battery life in my decision-making capabilities. And then that's why most people crash by about 11 or 12, you know, because they're, they're, as your energy fatigues, so does your capability to make clear, coherent, and competent decisions. Mm -hmm. And so for me, I just focus on, okay, where can I create routines that require don't require any mental energy that just enable me to flow through it so that when there is mental energy required, I've got more. But what, men, what meditation gives you is it gives you an extended battery life. 
Okay. And so yes, yes. it's in many cases what I would refer, refer to, like I refer to meditation and intermittent fasting as the unfair advantage. If you do meditate. I love intermittent fasting. Oh, yeah. Meditate and intermittent fast. Like those two things yeah, yeah. are literally the, like I, I joke all the time, uh, Jordan, about opening a um, an anti-aging clinic where we charge people a, a squillion dollars and all we do is teach them meditation and intermittent fasting protocols designed specifically for right. their, in their systems. Because I've seen so many times with clients when I get them into meditation, their whole lives fucking change. When I get them into intermittent fasting, their whole lives change. You know, they mm-hmm. become better, happier, healthier, lighter, fitter, faster. But as a natural consequence, guess what else happens? They become better dads. They become better husbands. They become better leaders. Yeah. And as a result, the lives improve. Um, the, the intermittent fasting thing is, is so easy i feel like people think like like what are you start like you're starving yourself like whenever like my mom is always concerned that i'm like starving myself but it's really not that hard like i finished dinner at like six o'clock six thirty latest p.m and then i wake up in the morning and i don't really need to eat until sometimes like 10 30 11 o'clock and what's that like 16 hours or so like which is a pretty average uh, you know, intermittent fasting window. I mean, other people do like, you know, 18, 20 hours, uh, which is definitely a little harder, but man, 16 hours for the benefits you get from it. So easy. Like, I mean, I wait, I think a lot of people Kerwin eat breakfast in the morning. Cause I feel like it's something they should do. So like that's what I did. It's a routine right. that they've been trained to do. Yeah. Like I, I would wake up in, you know, in high school, like six o'clock and, you know, try to have breakfast every morning. And every morning I would feel nauseous. Like I couldn't even handle it in the morning. Uh, and, and now for the past few years, like, I don't, I, 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 I don't like, it's not like I go try and go as long as I can. I just kind of, I just eat when I'm ready, which ends up being uh, a little, it's almost like a brunch. Uh, sometimes even lunch, you know, depending if I'm really engrossed in my work, then I will, then I really don't, uh, you know, eat until like noon. Uh, and, and that's great too. But intermittent, intermittent fasting is so easy. I want to comment on like the, you know, uh, the, the reasons the, you have like, uh, like these whys behind why you meditate, like, uh, you know, family and, or son and memory. Mm-hmm. And, you know, going back to Jim Quick, one of my favorite quotes of his, uh, when I first heard him, like, years ago on another podcast um i actually i actually met jim quick in a cryotherapy uh chamber in los angeles yeah nice funny funny little guy yeah um but uh he has this quote reasons reap results and you have all you got all these reasons uh behind why you know i'd go beyond it being reasons um Mm -hmm. and i'd say values produce value and what all I've done with all these routines is I've attached enough of the core legitimate values that are real to the behavior. And then as a natural consequence, I want to do it. So I have a very high value on family. Okay. And I have a very high value on cognitive performance. I have a very high value on performance in general. I have a very high, high value on, um, you know, being able to speak and be coherent and being able to access intuition. And so as a result, when those values are so high and I'm so hyper aware that those values are, you know, um, I guess fulfilled at a greater level through that activity. It's fucking easy. Intermittent fasting, same thing. And, you know, it's not a, you and by the way, the way that I do this with a client 
as I call it, the, for, the Fortune 500 list, where you literally identify, okay, what are my top five, top three to five values? Legitimate, not social, because everyone goes, what are your values? And they go, well, my values are, and they talk about the things that they want to be their values, but there's no evidence in their behaviors to su- suggest it's a legitimate value. Yeah. And so it's really important with the process I'm about to suggest that you're aware of what your legitimate values are, not what you want people to think they are, but based on where you spend your time, based on where you spend your energy, what you talk about, what you think about, what you read about, what you research about, where you lose time and space, what are your legitimate values? And when you know what they are, and you know where you've got three to five, the best way to change any form of behavior is you've got to change the brain, okay? And it, most people say, well, it starts with a thought process, and it does, but what I like to do is hack the thought process and go, well, okay, if I can get to the point where I can think 500 new thoughts, then maybe I'm going to act differently. So rather than sit there and go, well, maybe over time I'll think 500 new thoughts, I literally will get clients to sit down and write down, what are the 500 benefits to your values of you doing this? And they're like, well, fuck, okay, well, I can come up with 30, keep going, keep going keep going and you I force clients to and people will bang out at like 100 and then 150 and then 250 and then they'll go 300 there's no more and then we'll go okay well, what's all the benefits of these benefits let's go through each benefit we've now got and go what's the benefit of that benefit and what we have at the end of it is you know a list of 300 to 500 high level benefits related to genuine values that the brain has literally started to connect in sequence. Oh, wow. They've literally started to connect new synapses and neurons together. You now have a, a new neural net, okay, a new neural sequence that has now been connected. And now all we need to do is keep firing charges down those synapses so that those connections become stronger. Okay, so we need to remind ourselves of these things. Remind ourselves of, I need to remind myself all the fucking time why I meditate. I need to remind myself all the fucking time yeah. why I fast. I need to remind myself all the fucking time why I do what I do. And, but and how do you do that? You just go over I your just list? Go, or- I'm doing, I'm doing. I, like, I oh, literally go, ask. okay, what am I here to do? And I'm so, and you can ask anyone I work with, I'm so hyper-connected to the mission that I'm on here that I can actually get to the point where I'm relentless and even ruthless yeah. in the pursuit of my mission. But please understand, my mission is not to make money. You know, My mission is very deeply connected to helping people. And as a natural consequence of me doing that, I make good money. Okay, But I am not about making money whatsoever. I'm about what I'm here to do and the understanding that I don't know how long I've got to do it and that I've got to do as much as I possibly can in the time that I've been given and graced with to ensure that when I leave here that my job is done. Okay, my purpose is fulfilled. And I'm very clear on what that is. And so for me, you know, yes, those values help. But the thing I always come back to is why am I here, mate? What are you here to do? You have a limited time. You've almost been exited from the building, you know, at least seven or eight times. You don't know when the next exit sign is going to come your way. Let's keep going as a father. Let's keep going as a partner. Let's keep going as a leader, as a business person, as a as a change maker, as a as a, as, a, as, a, as someone who wants to influence, you know, at a high level. Yeah. Man. That's really important to remind yourself because I've found myself like, you know, especially the last week as I, you know, I kind of mentioned it beforehand, like definitely struggling with letting people's comments get to me. Mm -hmm. You know, I've definitely been investing uh, a little too much energy into it when usually I'm pretty stoic and I like, I don't even reply and like, I'm pretty good with them. And I've actually made videos about how to deal with negative comments several times. But for some reason, the past week, I've been a little triggered. But it's and it's take and I actually am. Well, like, let me ask you a like, question, Jordan. Are you more? Yeah. Are you are, are you a little depleted at the moment? Are you a little? Yeah, I, I I I am, and mm-hmm. and it's gotten to the point where like I feel like why don't I just why don't I just stop posting on social media? I make money in my business. Why don't I just? But but it's taken. Well, and it's I've talked about, about this with a couple people. And about it's looking and it's, at it's about looking at how why. do you take your buttons off the table? Because right now, what you're saying is I don't normally have these buttons on the table. At the moment, they're now back on the table. 
you know, I'd make videos about how to deal with negative comments because I'm, I'm normally pretty good at dealing with them, but the last two weeks I'm not. And so yeah, what you're yeah. saying is you've, you've got buttons, but m- most of the time they're not on the table, okay? But there are certain things that when they happen in your life, those buttons reappear again and you start giving them to the audience. You start giving them to mom. You start giving it to your family. People and so that's where self-awareness and meditation is so important because with meditation comes heightened levels of self-awareness. And with heightened levels of self-awareness, you start to understand your needs and requirements in order to perform at a high level. And so I know and ask anyone who's been around me the last six weeks, especially the last three weeks, and my buttons have been more on the table than they've probably been in a long time. Um, and as a result of that, I have been, I've had a lot more edge with my team. I've had a lot more edge. Really? With, oh, fuck yeah. You ask anyone who's working <laughs> with me, I can be an absolute, I can be a very hard man. I'm not, and by the way, I'm not unfair, I'm, I'm, and I'm, but I'm very fucking direct. I am very, I just, Here's the thing, mate. I am just so connected to my purpose that I don't fucking care what people think. And that extends to every fucking human being I know. That's what I got to get connected to, The only person I fucking care who legitimately, like legitimately care what they think is my son. Okay. And I will bend over backwards to make sure I can manage that perspective. However, now there's a danger to this with everyone else. I actually don't care. But the challenge with that, now I should let me re-quantify it's not that i don't care i care deeply i'm probably one of the most caring people you ever met in your entire life my heart is the size of you know three texases but i'm not attached so i care about that person who's writing the hateful comment but i'm not attached to what they're saying okay but what i know is when i get more tired when i get more fatigued i start to attach a little bit more Okay, and it goes from not caring and not being attached to all of a sudden now there's attachment that is creeping in. And attachment normally creeps in when in, in this scenario, for me personally, when I'm a little bit fatigued. Um, and so for you, what you're experiencing right now is probably a level of fatigue. Okay, you're a little bit not as- uh, Strung out, man, as, strung out. Yeah, and when that happens, the buttons come out. And what we've got to do, it's interesting because I got coached in a podcast yesterday. I was talking to, you know, this lady who, you know, coaches defense force chiefs and, you know, ambassadors and 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 ministers and and, she, and by the end of it she's like, "Cohen, you just need a fucking rest." You know, you've been going hard like and that's the thing with most most entrepreneurs, probably like yourself, Jordan, you know, we know how to work hard, we know how to push, but not a lot of us know how to slow down very well. And that's where the, you know, for me, that self-awareness component is so important to go, okay, why am I caring more? Well, I'm just going to get off social media. Well, that's not necessarily the answer. And, and that would be really detrimental too in the long oh, run. But it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's the easy out, okay? Yeah, it is. It is. The way, to, the way to get the right out is to go, oh, what work needs to be done for me to right side myself? Not what's the easy way. Slow is fast. Okay. So, the, the best thing that we, you could do in this scenario is just keep the social media going, but just don't look at the comments, you know, and do identify the but things that screw you up. Is there a point where, like, because, I mean, look, I mean, I'm not, I mean, you have hundreds of thousands of followers, and, I, like, there's levels to this game, man, you know, but, I, you know, I have, like, I have 42,000 at the moment on LinkedIn, and I feel like I'm not, I'm not big enough to, like, ignore and not reply to comments like i feel like i still have to positively reinforce oh okay just 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 completely they don't exist dude you get do do you ever like (laughs) does the adrenaline ever start going for like two seconds when you yeah 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 if someone hits on value so then what well then i just fucking i step back and i breathe and if i'm really pissed if i'm really pissed i'll send them love 
And I'll oh. literally send them a message going, thank you so much for your perspective. I deeply appreciate it. Wow, 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 wow. And that to me is what's the, the best way to handle any form of hate is to give it its equal and opposite polarity, which is love, you know. So, I, don't, I don't judge people who, who – and that's yeah. the thing. I am so lucky. I have a – I have – you know, we have a, a relatively significant following, but I get almost zero fucking hate. I'm not saying there's none. There's a little bit there, but like it, anyone who works on our, so, who's looked at our social accounts goes, I can't believe right. the sentiment. You guys have such strong sentiment. There's virtually, we would hide maybe uh, like maybe half a dozen comments a week. We don't even delete them. We just hide them if they're really fucking offensive. Otherwise, we leave them there and let the community self-regulate. And this is where the community aspect is uh, so important. Uh-huh. I do like when people jump in and argue for me and I just kind of sit back. (laughs) I don't see it as people jumping in and arguing for you. The way I look at it is the community Um, self-regulates. Oftentimes, whenever if I do get someone hating on me now going, you know, you're just a fucking salesman, you're just trying to sell people, there'll normally be a few people that jump on and go, have you seen his fucking YouTube channel? Have you seen all the videos he gives away for free? The dude gives away everything for free. How can you say that? I don't Mm. need to say anything. And 99% of my followers, they'll give it with love (laughs) because they see me do that. You know, and they won't jump in and try and battle and argue because why? They don't see me doing that. And, you know, if I'm the leader in my community, in most cases, they'll emulate what they see. And I don't want to be demonstrating on anyone. I don't want to demonstrate to my son that the way that you handle hate is you throw hate back. No, you know, no, no. My son is very across the fact that when he gives me hate, because my, my son is six, six and a half, you know, at least a couple of times a week, he tells me how much he hates me. And I don't get upset. I don't go, you can't talk to me that way. I say, okay, I get it. But just so you know, I love you more than ever. But I fucking, oh, no, he doesn't say fucking, like, I hate you, dad. I hate you. I want you to die. And I said, well, I love you more than anything. And I hope we have a long life together. You know, and he's just yeah, like, yeah. sometimes I'll say, that's not very nice, son. If he keeps on going and going and going, I'll say, mate, that's not very nice. And sometimes he'll push it to the point where he's really trying to hurt, hurt me because he's just human. He's looking for a response. And I'll bring, out the, I'll bring out the boom. And the boom is the voice. And it'll be like, you know, I'll be like, mate, we don't talk to people that way. <laughs> I don't yell. I just bring out the boom, and you know, I don't. Have, do I yell at my kid? Yeah, occasionally. I'm I'm fucking human, but I bring out the boom on the regular, yeah. and the boom is authority, certainty, and 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 um and sound, because you know, in most cases, that's what kids will respond to. It's tone. I've, it's tone uh-huh. and certainty. So I love killing him with kindness. You know, in replying to those types of comments, I sometimes am very good at that. I have this go to where I say. Thank you so much for your feedback and unbelievable kindness. And then with ex- exclamation point and a, a, a heart emoji. And then I say, you s- if, it's, if it's really vicious, I'll be like, you seem like a really happy person. God bless. And then I'll throw, I'll throw like another uh, um, heart emoji. And, uh, you know, that could be a little bit obviously sarcastic. And it, I mean, it is obviously, but, um, Look, when I, when I first it, got on social said, media, when said, I first got on social media. Someone said, you are stupid the other day. And I said that in response. And, and, I, and, then I, and then I did something really immature. I posted on my Instagram story. Uh, story and people love that though. People were like, that's awesome. <laughs> people, people love drama. But I remember in the yeah. early stages when I launched the social experiment, I probably got more hate in the early stages when I launched the social experiment. Uh, which was our, I don't know if you've seen it, our first web documentary series with people, you know, basically, you know, uh, hacking me out and saying some pretty fucking horrible things. This is before, this is literally when we're about to launch our social and be, just before we, we went boom and we're building up to it in the pre-launch and I was getting some hate 
And I had some pretty significant hate like for, from a couple of people. And I was just like really curious. And so I went and looked at their profile. And I don't suggest this is what you do, but this is what I did a couple of times. And it was fucking hilarious. Um, but I'd go to their profile. And I'm an intelligence officer. I'm, I am really, you do not want to piss me off because I can find out every piece of data that is available about you <laughs> online, offline, anywhere. And I can because I'm really good at gathering intelligence. I'm just fucking good at it. And when these people did this, I was like, wow, that's a really mean thing to say. And there was three guys in particular. And I went and researched them. And one of them was a school teacher. Okay. One of them was actually a, um, an athletics coach working with kids. And I can't remember what the third one was. I think it was actually a, a, I think it was actually a member of council. And so what I did is I, I researched these things. And I, was like, and I literally – and these are all separate occasions. I went back to each of them with a screenshot of their comment. And I said, oh, thank you very much for your comment. I'm sure – your principal, the name of your school, the name, would love to actually see this. Oh, my God. Now, play that out three times. Mate, those people disappeared real fucking fast. Real fast. And I and I remember at the time, because it was just like, did you really have to do that? I was like, no, I didn't. But I just, you know, I can, I can be human sometimes. But then after that, I was just like, man, that's an intense amount of work to deploy against hate. It's just not worth the energy. It's not worth the no, time. It's not. it's not worth the it's space. Really not. Did I feel good because I got one up? Yeah, my ego felt good. But then I was like, dude, you literally just wasted six hours of your day just to prove three people that they were idiots. And it's like, do you feel better now you've proved that they're-, that, that they're No, you probably you feel worse because you got all worked up I too. felt like they did, you know? And, so and, and that's that- and that's how I feel, man. Like I, so, you know, I tell you like, you know, the times that I do handle it, I think pretty well. And I a lot of times I do ignore it, but- like I said, I've been slipping up this week, so it sounds like I got to recharge my batteries. And you do, part mate. of that you is meditation. Time out. Can can I meditate for five minutes? Is that too short? If I wake so up can't. tomorrow and do five minutes, what? look, it's a great place to start. You know, yeah. but you know, it's like saying it's a great place to start, but it's like an an, an overweight person going, "Come, well, can I just work out for five oh. minutes?" <laughs> and it's like, "Well, but you can." Here's the thing, Jordan. Yes, you can. You can, but that's not going to change your life. You know, it's yeah. going to put maybe a brick in place you know and a foundation isn't one brick you know it's you know in most cases it's a couple thousand you know or at least a couple of hundred or a couple of dozen um but i'd rather you start with five minutes a day than not start at all sure because it's conditioning right you know, so what i did just sit there and and my advice is get it's been so app. long man i forget like look uh, I, I, my, i'm a big fan i'm not look i don't mind apps i don't use apps at all but i don't mind referring apps to people who are uh at the gateway phase who are looking to get into meditation. But once you get into meditation, you know, to me, using an app is the equivalent of, you know, mm. using um, VR to work out, you know, or AR mm. to work out because you're not doing it. It's yeah, extrinsic. Yeah. You're, you're using an extrinsic mechanism to guide your meditation, which is good to get started. But fuck that, man. I don't want to be, well, my app's not working. Oh, I can't meditate today, you know, or... To give you context, I meditate in the most ridiculous of places. I meditate um, in um, like in event rooms where there's music blaring. I will meditate in the middle of a classroom where there's kids screaming. I literally will find the most chaotic places I can find and that's where I like to meditate. Why? Because if I can meditate in a fucking um, – in a rock concert, meditating in my bed 5, 5 a.m., 4 a.m. in the morning, that's easy. Anyone can meditate when it's nice and calm. And But by the way, I did this for a long time first – but now I'm at the stage where I, I want to be able to meditate under any situation. 
not just when everything yeah. else is right when the app is on sure but a good a good app to start i, I with agree i agree you should it shouldn't be a thing to go to like when you're feeling only when you're feeling strung out and then it's like oh i'm feeling good again i don't, now need I don't meditate need anymore that's what most people do most people yeah, do that yeah. with everything but but you mentioned headspace which i've been paying a subscription to all this time that i haven't used in a long time um haven's a good one do you have any uh, were you going to mention another one look uh quiet space calm you know there's a few out there and they're very supportive and i don't want to take away from people going well if kerwin doesn't do it then i'm not going to do it no if you if you've never meditated a day in your life fucking do it like just get an app do whatever's required get into the feeling go oh i can do my guided meditations now i've done them every day for 30 days every day for three months then i'd suggest go and check out something like vedic meditation which is also transcendental meditation and you know what's it called Transcendental meditation, also known. No, you as said well, Vedic. B- before that. Yeah, what Vedic. was that? Vedic, Vedic. Oh, okay. meditation. Interesting. Because the first style of meditation I did was um, like just it was quite loose, but then I did a vipassana, which is where you go away for ten days. But in order to practice vipassana, it's an hour in the morning and an hour in the evening. And when I started practicing, that was a lot for me at the time, um, and I found it very difficult to consistently do two hours a day. But then when I got into Vedic, which is transcendental, it's only their prescription is 20 minutes in the morning, 20 minutes in the evening. And I was like, fuck, this is easy. And so I went from like full contact meditation with Vipassana, which was really difficult because, you know, just to learn Vipassana, you go away for 10, 11 days, you take a vow of silence, they separate the men and the women. You can't look at anyone for 10, 11 days. You can't talk to anyone for 10, 11 days. And you're meditating from 4.30 in the morning until 9.30 at night. You know, that's like brutal. Like that's, And I did that seven times, brother. And each every time I did it, I'd come away feeling you know great, but it was like fuck, that was hard. It was like out of everything I've done in my entire life, without a doubt, still to this day, that is the hardest thing. The hardest things I've ever done in my life is the vow of silence, ten days, not looking, not talking. But then as soon as uh, the Vedic came along, I oh my god, that. I was just like it was so easy to do because uh-huh. I'd you know been trying. And what's interesting is I started doing the twenty minutes twice a day and. Now I'm doing hours, it just, but it's easy. It just comes naturally now because it's a way of life and I've done enough practice for the momentum to build that I can walk into the gym and I can pick yeah. up weights and it doesn't feel so bad. And, and people could probably say like, oh, doesn't that cut into your, you know, the, the amount of things you get done in a day, but it probably, you know, I mean, I wake up at 4 makes you more productive. What the fuck am I going to do that too. first hour and a half what are you do? <laughs> but The funny <laughs> yeah, thing is, exactly. you know, my son will come in and he'll just sit on the bed and play in my space while I'm meditating. Oh, that's that's pretty cool. That's it's amazing. Good, that, that, you can, to, that you can maintain that state too. And let me let, let me show you how cool this is. It was like two days ago. I hadn't meditated in like four days or five days last week. And then I said to my son, my son comes over, he goes, Dad, you look a little bit agitated. He's six and a half. And I was like, oh, I haven't been meditating. He goes, well, we have to meditate today. Come on, we're meditating. And I hadn't planned to meditate. I think this was like right. Saturday morning or Friday morning. And I was like, oh, it's okay. He goes, no, we're going to meditate now. He's six and a half, grabs my hand, walks me upstairs, sits me on my bed and goes, right, start meditating, daddy. And I'm just like, all right, you're going to sit with me? He goes, I'll sit with you for the first few minutes and then I'm going to bring my, go get my car and I'll bring it in. I was like, cool. <laughs> uh, and he does that on the beach. Like when I meditate on the beach, he'll come and just play around and sit beside me while I'm meditating on the beach. And yeah, so he's been exposed now to meditation his entire life. That's you pretty know? cool. And- I, I didn't know what meditation was until I was probably like, 15 i don't know yeah well he's six and a half and he knows what it is he's not he will sit down and pretend to meditate but he knows what meditation feels like in my presence mm-hmm. so what are some other ways Kerwin, real quick to recharge 
Well, for me, meditation is, is one. Intermittent fasting is another because, again, it's yes, recovery. Yeah. Um, uh, another one that I've become very fond of is breath work. Like, I'm, I'm doing breath work all throughout the day anyway because I Can't I you do that during meditation? I mean, you, that's probably part of it. Well, yeah. you, you can. I can do it right now. I've, I've regulated at least three times in this conversation. It's just knowing oh. how to use the breath in an intentional and conscious way rather than just breathing because most people are just breathing. But they're not conscious of the fact that, you know, if I feel a little bit, if I feel a little bit of tension creeping in here, that if I go and I fill my belly up, oh, what do you know? That little bit of tension kind of dissolves away. And so that little bit of tension doesn't turn into a big bit of tension because I'm constantly ignoring it all day and letting yeah. it build up. And by the end of the day, I'm like, right. fuck, why am I so tense? Because I haven't been breathing all day. Yeah. One of Somet- things- Dude, that's what happens. Sometimes so much time goes by and I'm like, wait, I've been... My breathing has been so shallow and you feel it in your brain and like ab- above your eyes, like in, in your, like on your, fo- you just feel it. This, this heavy feeling starts to accumulate because you're not breathing. I feel that all the time. I gotta, I gotta, I and gotta that's the thing. Like breathe the breath better. The, the breath is literally the fastest way to reset your autonomic system is through autonomic system is through breath. You know, even just a breathe in for four, hold for four, out for four. You can literally reset a panic, um, stress, emotional state within, depending on your practice. You know, if it's a newbie, you know, maybe one to two minutes. But for me, I can literally do three rounds of of of, of breathing. Most people wouldn't even see it because I can be so subtle, and I can regulate myself. You know, in a matter of seconds. Um, but again, I've been so practicing you just do this that all throughout years, the day, all throughout the day, constantly, yeah. and I modulate it depending on what my body's telling me. And then I also engage in um, in um, proper breath work, where I'll actually do like holotropic breath work. Uh, I've practiced with Wim, Wim, the Wim Hof method. Yes. Um, and so for me, yeah. And then outside of that, in terms of recharging, is just how do you fill your cup up? You know. And for me, for the longest time, the only way I filled my cup up was through my son. But I only get my son fifty percent of the time, and so I was only really, I'd literally work myself like a fucking animal the time I didn't have him, and then I'd get him, and then. In most cases, I'd be a little fatigued and then that week, I'd spend that week, you know, working but also filling my cup up. And so, what I'm trying to do now is just trying to get a little, a, a greater level of consistency so I'm filling my cup up on the regular but also not working so hard when I'm not filling my cup up so that when I go to fill my cup up that I actually have a cup that I can put something into. Um, sure. And, and so you're p- filling your cup with meditation, intermittent fasting and what else? No, no, no. That's not filling my cup. They're my practice. No. The way I fill my oh, cup oh, oh. is through family. Uh, oh, okay. through my son and that's oh, oh, sorry, that's for sorry. me is and i'm now in a new relationship um with a beautiful woman who's got a, a an eight-year-old daughter as well and so now i actually have and i've got a very high value on family but up until for the last four years my family has been myself and my son you know and and my extended team um but you know as of the last few months i'm i'm now able to fill my cup in very new ways where i've now got this beautiful partner i've got this beautiful daughter on the scene i've got this beautiful son and i've now got this dynamic that i've never had before and now I'm experiencing what it really feels like to have a cup filled up uh, in ways that I've never, ever thought possible. That's great. Last question before the last question. Do you find like, – okay, I'll start, start with this. What's your screen time? <laughs> Do you have an iPhone oh, that like tracks screen hours, time? Six, seven hours a day. It's high. Really? Yeah. So do you, do you see that as an issue? Because I – I see my screen time as an issue, and I see that as something that drains all, my all, battery. All issues should be 
governed and judged based on consequences. You know what I mean? And I, I, I talk about addiction as well. So people say, well, how do you, how do you classify an addiction? I say, well, it depends on the consequences. You know, because some people go through life with, you know, uh, sex, relationship addictions, um, mild alcohol, mild drug, mild, you know, uh, behavioral addictions, and they're completely oblivious to it and they're okay with it. And so is everyone else around them is because the consequences are so mild that that level of addiction doesn't cause a problem. And it's not until, you know, it becomes a problem that until those consequences become a problem. And so for me to answer your question, you know, um, what was it specifically? It was related to not- What's your, what's your screen time? Oh, my and, screen time. Yeah. I know when my screen time becomes a problem based on the consequences it generates. And one of the consequences being mental fatigue. And yes. so I can literally be scrolling through my phone and go, Phew, I'm starting to feel a little toasty here. I'm starting a little bit of fright. And so what will I do? I put my phone down, I sit oh, down, yeah. I close my eyes, and I meditate sure. for five minutes. Okay, okay. And I just go, I reset now, and I can pick the phone up and start going again. I'm very hyper aware of when, 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 it, when it starts becoming negative. Now, by the way, sometimes you can't stop because sometimes I'm like, fuck, I can aware that I'm fatigued right now, but I need to keep going. And that's where you've got to have enough in your fuel tank. It's what we call the reserve. You see, right now, to give you context, I, I depleted my fuel tank and then I depleted my reserves Okay, up until last week. And last week, <clears throat> I spent the whole week trying to refill my reserve category of energy. And I got to Monday morning. I literally was in the shower on Monday morning. I'm like, fuck, something's different. What's going on? I'm like, what's different? And I'm like, fuck, I'm rested. Oh, I haven't felt this in <laughs> weeks. Uh, <laughs> like even. Uh, yeah, yeah. But what was interesting, I was like, yeah, I'm back ready. I'm back to K-Man. I'm ready to go. But by four o'clock, I was fucking fried again because I hadn't filled up the entire tank. I just filled up the reserve, you know, and that takes, you know, its own level of practice and awareness to know, am I really filling myself up here or am I just filling myself to the reserves? So I've got enough to get back into it, but I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to crash in. Cause here's what I know when my tank is full, as I just demonstrated, I can work 10 weeks straight. No problem. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. Eight weeks straight, no problem. It was probably the last three weeks where it started to fuck with me because I just was pushing, 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 pushing. Uh, and that was at that point, you know, I uh, I just had to complete. It wasn't a question of, well, you can take some time off. I didn't have a choice. And sometimes we don't have choices, you know. Sometimes we, oh, no, that's not true. It's not that we don't have a choice. Sometimes we have to do what needs to be done. And could I have got to that eight-week mark and taken the next three weeks off? Yes, but there would have been massive consequences for the company, massive consequences for the team, massive consequences for the business, and in the future, you know, for, for many other things. And so I was like, well, it's not a – to me, based on my psychology, it's not an option. Just get it done. You can fill the tank later, um, uh, which necessarily isn't, isn't necessarily always the best way to do it, but I just – for me, that's just what I do. Well, hey, man, Kerwin – I had a lot of fun today and I, I learned a lot, man. Like I'm excited to listen back and take some notes on this myself. And, and tomorrow, I mean, it's like, it's nine o'clock for, for me here about now. And, but, uh, I'm excited to wake up. I'm going to do my reading. I th reading or meditating first. What do you think? Up to you, mate. They're okay. your values, not mine. Do you know All what right, I mean? Then, 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 okay. I think I'll do, I think I'm going to do my reading. Uh, I'll, I'll figure it out trial, trial and error here's the thing if you meditate first you'll probably read much faster retain much oh, more okay okay um, but try I got you but again to me there's no one size of, and people say what's your morning routine so I can do it so like, I'm not you dude like do, do what sure. do what works for you and this is okay. the thing with diet with exercise with business you know so many times people are trying to model what other people are doing and don't get me wrong I've modeled what plenty of people have done but what I do is I model what works for me 
you know, I got into intermittent fasting. I did what everyone else did, you know, the, 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 the 16 and 8. And I was like, okay, this is great, but is this really what's best for me? And so then I started experimenting with, you know, with, um, with uh, the, 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 the 6, 18, and then the 24, and then the, the 24. And I was like, just eating once. A, and I've, so I played with everything. And I was like, what works best for me? And so when people say to me, so what's the best form of intermittent fasting? I say, well, play with, it's like saying, what, go, standing out in front of Ben and Jerry's and go, what flavor will I like the most? And I say, well, go and try all the 48 fucking 52 flavors first. <laughs> then you'll know. I'm not going to fucking hyper, you know, <laughs> hyper hypothesize about what might be your favorite flavor when you don't even fucking know yourself. And that's where, you know, if I'll finish on this, Jordan, and if we look at every, any aspect of life, whether it's parenting, business, performance, health, you know, dealing with any, the more you know yourself, the more you know who you are, the more you know what your values are, the more you know where your buttons are, the easier life is. You know, this isn't a, a game of external exploration. This is a game of internal exploration. And the more you know your internal model, man, it's so much easier to navigate the external world. But most people are focused on navigating a world without a, without an, a, a user's manual for what's going on in here. You know, I often refer to, you know, the superhumans that we are and that we're all oblivious to. Like we were given this superhuman power. We were given this superhuman capability, this superhuman vessel. Like we are a feat of magnificence. We are a feat of science and biology. We really are. But no one gave us the fucking manual on how to operate this system. And everyone, for the most part, is working on a whole range of fucking assumptions based on what was told by them by someone else that they thought may have worked for them that was generalized because they wanted to make mm -hmm. it for mass population. There was a great um, TV show, I think it was in the 80s, called The Greatest American Hero. You've probably never heard of it. You might be a bit young. It was no, about this guy who was driving in the desert. You know, he, his car stops. He has an alien visit and the aliens beam him up to his, their ship and they give him this this Superman suit in a bag with an instruction box of how to use it. And anyway, they beam him back down to earth and he's walking back to his car and the instruction manual falls out and he gets into his car. He drives home. He opens it up. He goes, Oh, it's this fucking super suit. He puts it on. He's like, Oh, I can't find the instruction manual. Oh, well, I'll just have to work it out. And so he goes, well, what do you do? You just go like this, right? Like Superman. And he fucking flies through the ceiling and he's, you know, smashing cars and going into houses and smashing through billboards. And the whole, the whole series is about, this guy who's been given this incredible gift that has no fucking idea how to use it and he has to work out how to use the super suit so that he can serve his purpose. You know what I mean? And I just think that's where we are. We're all like this guy. You know, we've all been given this super power being human, right? Being human is a superpower you know, compared to a dog, right? But no one actually gave us a user's manual and the only manual they gave us was a manual of instruction based on industrial practices that we call school. You know, we, we're not really taught yeah. in school how to use our brain. We're not taught oh, in school no. how to use our body. We're not taught in school how to use our biology, our chemistry. You know, we're not taught, you know, regulation is not a subject in school, but it fucking should be. <laughs> you know what I mean? Meditation is not a subject <laughs> in school, but it fucking should be. Nutrition, not a subject in school, but it fucking should yeah, be. Yeah, man. You know, entrepreneurialism is not a subject at school, but it fucking should be. Well, so I, we're, I, we're giving yeah. users manuals that are literally fucking, not only are they outdated, they were never accurate in the first place. Man, leave me wanting more. I think, uh, my friends, you can tell that this man is unstoppable. Dive into his world. Listen to Unstoppable, his podcast. You can find him at KerwinRay.com, at KerwinRay on all the social platforms. And, man, he's just you really you're you're really inspiring me Kerwin. thank you brother and and the end of the end of uh that last point there leads us into my final question that i ask everyone which is if you could teach one class 
at a university, a course of your creation or otherwise, what would it be? You just mentioned a few. You just rattled off human, a few. It'd be called Which human, one? It'll be called human performance. It covers everything we've just talked about. <laughs> Kerwin Ray, you're the man. Thank, Thank you, Jordan. You very much. Cheers. Appreciate it, brother. We've reached the end of this episode of Growth Mindset University. For more keys to success and methods to inspire your entrepreneurial spirit, head to jordanparis.com slash course and enroll in our free course to elevate your podcast to the next level. Be sure to pass the show along to someone you know who will benefit from the lessons learned in each episode and we'll catch you and them on the next episode of Growth Mindset University.